So Lord, we just ask for your wisdom, your guidance in all things because bottom line is we want to know you and we want as many people on this planet to know you intimately as possible. Guide us, Lord, through your word we ask this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Well, if you're new around here, here's one of our aligning values. We, I'll throw one up every once in a while. This is we put God on display. We purpose to know Jesus and make him known because effective ministry is born out of intimacy. It's hard to make someone known you've never met. It's hard to make someone known you've never had a conversation with or heard uh, speak to you or whisper sweet nothings to you. Sweet somethings. So Matthew five sixteen is where we take it. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So just one of our aligning values lets you know where we're headed. We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus. Last year we looked at knowing His person, so we're centering everything on Christ. How do we do that? We want to know His person, we want to know His works, what He came to do, and then know His teaching and obey Him. If you are new, we want to help you hear His voice and then apply His truth and His Word on a daily basis. Had some great testimonies from Eat the Word, which started this last week on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Brother Jerry Short sent an email. One of our ushers, oh, he's right back here in the corner getting some chairs out, but he he uh, had emailed us about just since Eat the Word, he's just so, it's kind of fine-tuned and better to the Lord's voice. So he hears the Lord speaking to him. Even while he's sleeping, he'll wake up and hear the Lord speaking to him. And so uh, everything we do, guys, Eat the Word, Discovery Groups, M28, uh, Discipling, um, Students of Grace, whatever it may be. How about this Wednesday night, the worship night? Everything we do is to connect people to the living Christ. They can know Him in a personal, personal, intimate way. Amen. You've heard me say, and I mentioned this last week, if you don't like worship, you won't like heaven. Well, if you don't like fellowshipping with the Lord, you're not going to like heaven very much. And it's easier to hide from Him here than it will be there. So you need to get accustomed to Him. Amen. Since Jesus taught both spirit and truth and He bore witness, He told Pilate He bore witness of spirit and truth, we want you to be able to live in that reality. So we've been talking about how do we live in the reality of truth because I don't always see and feel God all around me. So how do I live the real reality? Number one, a renewed mind. Walk by faith, not by what you see, what you feel. Uh, Number three, redeem spiritual disciplines from a new covenant perspective. And then number four, we've been talking about this, abiding in Christ's life. Abiding in Christ's life. John chapter 1 verse 4 says... In Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, was life, and the life, Zoe, was the light of men. So this is God's self-existent life. This is His um, everlasting, constant, ever-flowing life that we're talking about. And notice that it is the light of men. So God's life, Christ's life inside of us, animates us, illuminates us through our simple faith. Okay, so we just participate with Him. We were talking last week about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence. 
Faith allows us to provide evidence of what is unseen, that there's an unseen realm. There's a God who lives in the realm of the Spirit, and uh, He can be manifested and put on display, animated through each one of us. Here's John 6:53. So we ate in the Garden of Eden, and we died. We ate of the tree, and we died. Jesus Christ shows up, who's the tree of life, right? Abide in me, live connected to me, you'll live. So he shows up and says things like, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no what? No Zoe life in you. If you want to possess the life of God where you don't need something from everybody else or you don't need your circumstances to go just the right way or your team's got to win or somebody's got to compliment you or you got to have this. If you want to have life that doesn't need or require outside input, then you need to take in Christ. And this is, this is a great communion, is a symbol of taking Him, His body, His bread, uh, and His blood inside. That is the new, the new birth. So if you don't do that, you have no life in you. He's not promoting cannibalism. He tells him in verse 63, My words are spirit. Spirit. I'm speaking spirit. My words are spirit and life. I'm not talking about naturally eating me. And a lot of them didn't get it and they, they left. Verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Eternal, everlasting life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. Another testimony from Eat the Word. They ate John 3.16. For God so loved the world that whoever believes on him uh, would not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. And s- several of the one particular group that was eating that scripture had thought, you know, always in my mind, eternal life, I always thought was heaven. You know, it was, it was the future, the sweet by and by. That's right. But when you eat the word eternal, no, it's this ever present life right now, nonstop, ever flowing life of God that's inside. Everybody say inside. That's inside the believer. The Greek for it means God's ever-present, unending, constant life at work in me. That life starts now. You can have it now. He who has the Son has the life. And so it's just powerful any time that we start getting God's perspective instead of our perspective. God's truth and reality instead of sometimes what we see. Verse 55, for my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. Uh, lives connected to me, remains in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, whoever, what? Feeds on me, lives because of me. You ate in the garden, you died. Now you eat of Christ, and you live. You are what you eat. You're a branch. So what happens if you just feed on offense all day long? Easily offended. Feed on resentment. Feed on negativity all the time. Pessimism. No, we need to feed on Christ. Feed on faith. Feed on His love. Then we'll be loving. We are what we eat. So Jesus says, eat of me. And it's not a one-time eating. Branches don't just connect to the vine and that one day and that's it. They live connected. Boy, that's powerful. In the body of Christ, we need to live the reality of our connection with Christ. He never asked you to earn the connection, but He does ask you to dance with it and receive from Him. 
Everything that you need pertaining to life and godliness. Colossians 2.6 As you therefore have received Christ the Lord, walk in Him. So it's not just a one-time receiving. As you received Him to get born again, now walk with Him. Daily receiving of Him. So that's what faith is. Faith is trusting in, relying upon, fully, depending on, fully, receiving from Christ. Abiding in Him. The late, great E. Stanley Jones calls it living by grace and receptivity. That's your life. That's a Christian life. Grace and receptivity. I took the Avis approach. You guys remember the Avis commercials? Uh, I just tried harder. <laughs> when I couldn't do it, I just tried harder. He said, Steve, it's not about trying. It's about trusting, relying on me. Let me supply you. Amen. Let me love you into loving others. Now, unbelief is living independently or separate from God. Like, God, I got this. I'll do this on my own. And the most deceptive thing is human reasoning. I'll just reason this out on my own. And do... No, receive from Him what you're supposed to do in that meeting. Invite Him into that, that uh, difficult conversation you need to have with a friend. Invite Him into it. Let Him be the words in your mouth. Psalm 81.10, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. That's a great promise. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Psalm 81.10. So human reasoning, human knowledge. How about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? We don't want to continue to partake of that. We want to derive all we are from Christ. And I believe that we struggle with discipleship in the West so much because we don't start where Jesus finished. And Jesus finished giving you new life within. He didn't even leave until the book of Acts chapter 1. He didn't leave right after He died. He didn't leave right after He resurrected. He hung out for 40 days with the disciples talking to him about the kingdom of God, how he rules and reigns inside by his spirit, by his life. And then in verse 10, he departed. So if, if we're going to disciple well, we have to pick up where Jesus left off. And where he left off is, you've got new life. You are not who you used to be. As I said earlier, the old you's buried in a tomb. Buried with him. Amen. People get born again and they think, yeah, I signed that card. I got a ticket to heaven now. You didn't get a ticket to heaven. You got life you never possessed before. It gives new meaning to baptism in water. We're going to have a baptism Mother's Day, May the 8th. And I don't know, maybe half the people in this room after we get done talking about Romans 6 would be like, I should get baptized. I had no clue that's what it was about. When you went under the water, you're agreeing with God. You are dead. The old you is dead. You are dead to sin. God didn't kill the law. He killed you. He killed the old you. And you come out of the water and run down those steps. You've got new life. Amen. New life in Christ. You're celebrating that. That's what baptism is. Symbolic of what really happened to you. It's your testimony to the whole world that the old me is buried. Dead. Gone. Sin doesn't master me. I'm dead to sin. 
We're going to talk this morning about, well, what do we do when I I don't feel the Holy Ghost? I don't feel the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me right now. What I feel is the flesh screaming at me to go do something dumb. What I do? Well, you better access realities that aren't immediately present to your feelings. The truth. Jesus came to bear witness of alternate reality. The real reality. And you start saying, you know what? It's true. I may not feel it, but it's true because God said it. I'm dead to that sin. There's no life in that sin for me. Amen. I'm preaching my sermon. I'm not even to Romans 6 yet. But you know, if it's in you, it's in you. (laughs) You didn't get a ticket to heaven. You got new life you had not possessed before. Too many times we tell people they got, quote, saved. And we never told them they got new life. That the same resurrection life of Christ that came out of that tomb lives in you. You are not an old caterpillar sprinkled with grace dust. You are a butterfly. You're a brand new species in Christ. My goodness, we ever figure this out. We'll be dangerous to the devil. (laughs) Saved. When we say, oh yeah, I'm saved, it connotes future destination and is void of power in the present tense. The devil doesn't care about your, okay, you got, you signed the card here and then when you're dead, you're going to go to heaven as long as he can rule you and, and destroy your life in between. In between the time you sign the card and you go to heaven, as long as he can master you and destroy your life, he's quite content with that. So this whole connotation that it's all reduced to heaven is void of the presence and power and life of Christ here in the present tense. We need to know how life is to be lived. Amen. Jesus came, said, I'm the way you're designed to live. I'm the truth about you. I'm the life to be expressed in your your mortal body here. People need to understand what happens to them when they get born again and we have this mindset okay i'm saved and i know i'm not picking on saved but i'm just trying to make a point you have new life my idea of saved is oh okay i got saved from hell i got saved so now i can go to heaven when i'm dead what are you going to do in leading your family affecting your workplace affecting your friends for christ before you go to heaven you need life Have you looked around at our country? There's all kinds of deception and despondency and wickedness. It's everywhere. We have to help people know how to live here. And the blueprint for living is the life of Christ in you. So you got to figure that out. Hey, I'm dead to the world. I'm dead to sin. The old Steve is gone. I've got new life inside of me. It's not just about I'm saved from hell and now I'm going to heaven. I'm saved from the wages of my mistakes. People don't get discipled to the fact that they got life they hadn't possessed before. And literally, I mean, it's a spiritual reality. You're dead to sin. Sin killed you in Christ. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. The old you, and he drug your tired self into that tomb. And buried you. Sin doesn't have power over you. You've been lied to. 
The world tries to tell us, even Christians try to tell us, well, I'm just, I'm just gonna do, I'm just gonna sin. It's just gonna happen. Not if you start believing what God says happened to you. He didn't kill the law. He killed you in Christ. But then, not only do you have union with His death, you have union with His life. And I'll show you that in Romans chapter 6. Sin doesn't have sway over you. Touch your neighbor and say, sin doesn't have sway over you. All right. Romans 5.10. Write that in your notes. Eat it for lunch today. Romans 5.10 says you're saved by His life. Not by His death. His death, the cross, was just a precursor to infusing you with life because you were defiled. You were unclean. Adam passed sin onto you so God couldn't dwell in you because He's holy. So Jesus died one time for all of us so that, everybody say so that, the life of Christ could come back and live inside of you and give you power and victory and all those things. You're saved by His life, not by His death. So I'm okay with your cross necklaces, but get one that's that's an empty tomb. Because you're saved by His life. Who is, quote, saved? He who confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord and believes in their heart that God... Right? It doesn't say that God died on a cross. God raised Him from the dead. So, when you got saved by His life, listen to me, that includes you were saved from hell. Amen. You were saved from separation from God. Amen. Well, I just want to pause right there. Everything that separated you from God and His life, Jesus Christ killed it on the cross. He put it to death. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8, nothing can separate you. Why do we live separated? Because we put too much value and stock in how we feel and what we think about ourselves. You're at the wrong tree. Go to the tree of life and what He says about you. What he says, yeah, truest thing about you is what he says about you. So it's a collateral blessing. You were saved from hell. You are going to heaven. You were saved from separation from God. But you're actually saved by his life on the daily here. His life in you will save you from resentment. Save you from sickness. Save you from bitterness. Save you from holding debts against everybody else. Well, Sylvia, I just wish you'd have lived better today so I could have a better, happier time. You know, I just need you to perform in such a way that I can be happy. Rod, I really need you to do better because my whole happiness is depending on you and how you're doing. Right? We, you, you can be saved from relying on everybody else to make you happy. What a glorious salvation. You're saved by His life on the daily. You, you've got God's self-existent, ever-present, expressive life. You don't need anything anymore from anybody to be happy. Now you're saved unto love and joy and peace and patience. Wow! He's saving you from traffic. Where's Kelly? <laughs> There he is. Kelly hasn't talked to him. He's got a great testimony. This guy used to really struggle in traffic, demeaning all the drivers. God forbid they cut him off or whatever. 
But now the life of Christ is in him. And it's helping traffic all over eastern Oklahoma County. <laughs> now aren't you glad he didn't, he realized he didn't get a ticket to heaven. He got life. This life is saving him on the daily from the old flesh. From old stinking thinking. Amen. Look at Ephesians 4.17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated, which means cut off and severed from the life of God. Guess what the word life is in Greek? Zoe. They're cut off. They have, they have to manipulate you. They have to try to control you. They have to make you perform in such a way because they don't have life like we have it. I'm concerned about that in the way of our government. As the government gets bigger and bigger, it gets scarier and scarier in the sense of control and those things. Why? Because they don't have the life of God. Because the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, in other words, they're not sensitive anymore, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So we were connected to life in the Garden of Eden. But when the, when the spiritual death came, when they ate of that tree, what did they ultimately do? What was their sin? They declared independence. I don't need God to be like God. I will be like God independently by eating this. Does that make sense? So when spiritual death and separation came, instead of walking around being love, human beings started looking for love in all the wrong places. Feed me. Love me. Accept me. I put up the tree of the knowledge of good and evil last week. Uh, Seth made a great picture of it, but it's just... It's a death tree. There's nothing on it except one apple. And when they ate that apple, there was nothing left to feed them. So they turned here. They turned to each other even. In marriage, we do that. Feed me. Make me happy. Perform in such a way. If you need somebody to live a certain way for you to be happy, you're not loving them. You're using them. You're using them. Christ is your fullness. Lord is your shepherd. You don't want. You don't lack for anything. He's your fullness. So instead of being love, we started looking for love in all the wrong places. We fell into the lie of lack. We fell into separation. We started using terms like this. Well, you owe me an apology. You owe me 50 bucks. We're creating debt. In other words, I got to have this. And you owe me for it. Rather than, hey, I'm full. I'm blessed. I don't need for you to do that. Now, is it right and just for you to pay me that debt? It is. But I'm not going to have the fall apart and go to the flesh to try to get it from you. Come on, somebody. Only the bread of life, Jesus Christ, can cause you to never hunger or thirst again. Only the bread of life, Jesus Christ, which you have radiating inside of you, can keep you from creating debt towards everybody else and help your marriages. So, Stacy. My wife had a great question this last week. What do we do when the allure of the flesh and sin seems greater than the power of the Spirit? I know the life of Christ is in us, but what do we do when the flesh is screaming louder? It's a great question. Because the Holy Spirit can quicken us to the way, the truth, and the life, but how many of you know He doesn't choose for you? 
You have to choose. And so you're not always going to have goosebumps. Go, go to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is interceding for world salvation. He's got the weight of the world transformation on him. He didn't rise up and say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I'm going to walk up to Golgotha and I'm going to die this incredible death. He's sweating blood. He is suffering. In the same way, we don't always feel the grace and unction of the Holy Spirit to do what's right. So what are we going to do? You've got to access realities that aren't immediately present and physical to you. Beyond what I feel, I know what the truth is. And the truth is I need to resist that temptation. There is no life for me in that. But see, as long as you think you're just a sinner, what are you going to do? Sin. The world's going to world. Dogs are going to bark. Cats are going to meow. And sinners are going to sin. So I've got to help you understand you're not a sinner. The sinner you was buried. He's in the tomb. And now you're alive with Christ's life on the inside of you. But you don't always feel and experience that life. So you've got to make a choice to do the right thing even when you don't feel the power. Maturity. Write this down. Maturity is choosing to do right even when you don't feel like it. And that's not willpower because it comes from accessing the truth. The power is still in the Word of God that sin has nothing for me. When I'm reckoning myself dead, for example. Maturity is doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it. And that's part of suffering as a believer. You're going to love me for showing you this. But it's First Peter 4, 1 and 2, Amplified Bible. So, since Christ suffered in the flesh for us, for you, arm yourselves with the same thought and purpose, patiently to suffer rather than fail to please God. Sometimes the flesh wants what it wants. And if you, if you think that that flesh is you, you'll just give in to it. You got to know in your knower, hey, the old Steve, he's buried. The new Steve, even though I'm not feeling and experiencing all the power I'm promised, what am I going to do? I'm going to access God's word. I'm going to agree with what he says. For whoever has suffered in the flesh, having the mind of Christ is done with sin has stopped pleasing himself in the world and now pleases God so that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living by his human appetites and desires, but he lives for what God wills. Why do we have so many believers that are just overtaken by sin so much? They they don't know how to access realities that are beyond what they feel and think in that moment. It's the flesh screaming. It's not the real you. Romans chapter 7 verse 20 when Paul said, hey, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I wish I did, I'm not doing. He said, it's not me though. It's sin that that dwells in me. He refused to identify with it. Can I speak to the men for just a moment? If you believe that sin is just natural, that you don't understand that you died to it, I'm talking about the real you is really dead to sin. When pornography comes knocking or that window on your computer comes or whatever, you won't resist it like you should. 
You have to know that you know that you died to sin. It has no more sway over you. The life of Christ is in you now. And in our culture, sin may be accustomed, but there's no life in it. And so we've got to renew our mind to it and understand what the Spirit of the Lord is inviting us to. How about Hebrews? Did I finish that one, by the way? Did I finish that? Okay, yeah. Now look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 4. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the, the rates set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Don't look at the sin. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. So look unto him and consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Because, guys, you've not yet resisted to the shedding of blood, striving against sin. It's a lie that we think sin is so powerful. It's a deception. You haven't even resisted to the shedding of your own blood yet. Let's get there. (laughs) Wow. Don't shout me down on that. (laughs) Sometimes there's grace to resist. You can sense the unction and presence of God in resisting sin. Amen? Sometimes it's like, oh, that's foolishness. I'm not even going there. But sometimes you can't feel His grace at work in you. Sometimes your human experience and feelings don't match what you know to be true. So you've got to renew your mind. You've got to access the real reality. The parent reality is, I'm not made for sin. Even refresh your mind about what your disobedience costs you. Remind yourself, what, what, what is this disobedience going to cost me? It's going to separate you from the life of God. He won't be your supply in this moment. Your sin doesn't affect Him. It affects you. He's already dealt with your sin. And it was enough. Propitiation. Three times in the New Testament. God is satisfied. Do you know He's satisfied with the cross for the payment of sin? So what do we do? We've got to renew our mind. We've got to access truth. We've got to walk by faith, not by sight. We've got to abide, live connected to Christ. We've got to recognize sometimes I want to sin, but it's not the real Steve. The real Steve, or the old one anyway, is dead and buried in the tomb. It's flesh and sin that's trying to enslave me. But we don't want to be enslaved because we've been set free. Amen? Last one for this morning. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 20. Here's your task for this week, or my ask, if you will. Get into Romans 6. Just begin to read it and sit with the Lord. Sit with the Lord. If He encourages you to eat it, then eat it. If not, maybe just journal what he's speaking to you. But Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is the passion. What do we do then? Do we persist in sin so God's kindness and grace increases? What a terrible thought. God forbid. We've died to sin once and for all. As a dead man passes away from this life. Do you you sense where the Holy Spirit's going? He's trying to convince you. Conviction, convince that you are dead to sin. You have died. It doesn't have power over you. You've been deceived. You think it has power. It doesn't. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. Greater is Christ as Gladys in her 
than the old Gladys outside of her. Greater is Christ as Josh within him than the Josh that's outside, the old Josh, the one that's buried. We've died to sin how many times? Look at this. Once and for all, a dead man passed away from the life. How could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed, baptized, into union with Jesus Christ, into what? Union. 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 This is spiritual reality. Access the truth. Go beyond what you feel. I don't feel like I'm in union all the time. But are you? Yes, you are. Your spirit and his spirit are one. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. This is spiritual reality. How did, how did the Lord take us down this path? We want to live in truth. We want to live the real reality. I don't want to be dominated by what I feel. I don't want to be dominated by what I believe about Steve. What I think about Steve. That's my human reasoning. If I want revelation, I have to get it from God. I get truth from God, not from Steve's intellect, not from Steve's feelings. So the Lord's admonishing us to live and walk and derive from spirit, from truth, from the real reality, the parent reality. Instead of just living a religious life, which is all based, it's your movement toward God based on what you think, feel, and believe about yourself and about Him. Throw that in the trash and say, you know what? The old Steve is dead. The new Steve is one with Christ. I'm in union with Him. And now I'm going to abide in that reality. Oh my goodness, I gotta work out. Have you forgotten? <laughs> Have you forgotten that all of us who are immersed into union, baptized into union with Jesus Christ, were baptized into union with His death? When He died, you died. Sharing in His death by our baptism means that we were co-buried with Him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with Him. We have been co-resurrected with Jesus Christ so that we can be empowered to walk in the reality of what? New life. Zoe. Romans chapter 6 verse 4. You see? So it gives a whole new meaning to the symbolism of water baptism. Did you really understand that when you went under the water, you were agreeing with God that the old you is dead? And sin doesn't have power over you. You come up out of the water a brand new creation. For since we are permanently, everybody say permanently, you're permanently grafted into Christ to experience a death like His, we are permanently grafted into Him to experience a resurrection like His and the new life that He imparts. It's a two-edged sword, folks. Not only is the old you dead to sin, but you're alive in Christ. You have the same resurrection life of Christ on the inside of you. We're rolling towards Easter. You'll never look at Easter the same way again. It wasn't just His resurrection. It was yours too. It was yours too. You are one with Him. If He won, you won. You're not trying to score points. If He won, you won. And He won. Now give Him a shout of praise in the house of God. He has won. He has won. That means we have won. Glory to God. Yes. (laughs) Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with Him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us. So that we would not continue to live 
one moment longer submitted to sin's power. My goodness. This is the greatest gospel ever. We should tell people about it. We should tell somebody what has actually happened. This is way better, Ron, than signing a card and holding on till heaven. Well, I guess I'm saved and when I'm dead, I'll go to be with Jesus. You better know Jesus now. You can't make Him known if you don't know Him. Religion has nothing for you. Religion is dead letter. Nothing in it. My goodness, I think you're seeing it. And we're only to verse 6. We got to get through to verse 20 by Easter. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with Him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. When pornography comes to tempt you or lying or cheating, uh, whatever it may be, you're going to look at it differently. You're going to be like, you know what, devil? I am not under the influence of this anymore. I'm under the influence of Christ himself. There's a new sheriff in town. (laughs) Amen. The day of water baptism is the day that we reckoned ourselves truly dead to our past and who we used to be. And we acknowledge that to the world. Mother's Day, May the 8th, we will have water baptism. How, how do they sign up? Gracechurch.community event calendar. Also, it's the day, baptism is the day I saw myself as alive with new life in Jesus Christ. I'm a brand new person, and as Jody and Dottie say all the time, I cannot go back. I cannot become what I once was. I may see some foolishness left over from who I used to be, but I disown the idea that that's still me. That's just residue from what trained me to do stupid things back then. It's the symbol of the new birth inside your heart. So I looked up the word united. We've been united with Christ in His death and His resurrection. This is Romans 6, 5. Uh, I ate that passage, as we like to say. It's 40, number 4854 in your strong Concordance. The word is sumphutos. It means, listen to this. I'm reading right out of it. The fact that in the death of Christ, our former corrupt and wicked self has been slain and buried in Christ's tomb. Plus, in addition, our intimate fellowship with His return to life, our intimate connection with His resurrection, now shows itself in a new life revealed in us. If you get a hold of this, the life of Christ will start bursting forth out of you. As I said two weeks ago, when a woman is pregnant and life is conceived in her, it's coming and you start to see it. In the same way, we are uh, impregnated with the very life of Christ Himself and that life is going to be revealed and seen in us. Touch your neighbor and say, He's coming. He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. What does He need you to do? Work harder? No. He needs you to believe what God said. John chapter 6, verse 29, they asked Jesus, maybe it's, I think it's 29, not 27. They asked him, what must we do to work the works of God? What's the work that's required? You know what he said? Believe me. 
God's not leaving this for us to do. He's doing it through His Son's life on the inside of you. That thing is alive. And it's coming through your simple faith, receptivity, that what God says is true. What's happening in me is Him. It's not me trying to be like Him. It is Him. And He's coming forth. And then one more. In uh, Romans 6, 6, Scott, you guys can come. The Greek word for annulled, the body of sin has been annulled. It's been done away with. It's 2673 in the Strong's. Completely rendered inoperative and void of any force or coercion. Sin has been stripped of its voice and coercion, or force, sorry, force and coercion over you. To beg God for victory over sin is a refusal, an absolute refusal on your part to believe that we've already died to sin. We are not trying to pretty up the old you and put some church attendance on it and some tithing, little tithing necklace and some lipstick. You remember the, on the pig, remember? How many of you guys remember the pig? I like to put on it. Okay. So he's got earrings. He's got lipstick. He's got Sunday school attendance on his neck. We're, that's the old, it's a she. Okay. It's that, that's the old, the old you. We're not trying to pretty up the old you. The old you is dead. He didn't kill the law. The law in itself is good. He killed you so that you would recognize apart from union with God, I cannot live this life. I can't do anything apart from Christ. Don't beg God for victory over sin. Reckon yourselves. This is next week. Verse 11, Romans 6. Reckon yourselves is already dead. I died to it. I, di- I died to it and I'm severing ties. Will you stand with me? I've severed ties to it. Can we clap our hands in Jesus' name? Woo! Oh, hallelujah. You ready to get your shout on? Grab your Bible or your phone. Wherever you got the word, grab it. Take it in your hand. We're going to declare this and then we're going to worship together. And listen, if you, uh, if you need prayer or you want to get connected following uh, after we worship the song, we have lots of great people in the altar that can connect with you, pray with you. But we're so glad that you're here and so glad you're taking the journey with us. We got to get this word out. Amen, guys. We got to get the word out. Okay, hold it up high. Either your phone app or your Bible. Say this with me. Lord, I boldly declare that I reckon, deem, and count as done the truth that I am dead to sin. I take authority over the flesh and command it to shut its mouth. And I refuse to give it the right to rule in me. I am filled with the life of Christ. And I am alive unto God through Him. Sin is no longer my master. Now I belong to and am lovingly mastered by Christ Himself. In Jesus' name. Come on. Let's praise His name. Let's praise His name. Amen.